along this line, but you know, one of the things and one of our core values here at TDP is simplicity, which is kind of fitting. Simplicity, the simple life. And, but yet part, and really the, the extra verb with that is that life is complicated enough. Serving God should not be. And, uh, you know, but I am convinced of this is that it's hard to talk about the simple life and not really focus very specifically even in our spiritual life. Why? Because if our spiritual life is chaotic, guess what the rest of our life is? It's going to be chaotic. But also, if our spiritual life is in order and there's peace, it doesn't mean that there's not chaos on the outside, but it doesn't mean there has to be chaos in here. See, when my, when my spiritual life, when your spiritual life is where it needs to be, it can create some calm, even in the midst of a storm. Think about Jesus in the middle of a hurricane, stands up on a boat. The disciples are freaking out, and Jesus is like, I was catching a pretty good nap back there. And they're like, but don't you care that we're drowning? Newsflash, guys, if you drown, Jesus drowns. And I don't think he's too stressed about drowning back there. And yet, so we've been talking over the last few weeks just about uh, how to live a simple life. And what does that really mean? You know, and because life is chaotic. You know, I mean, many times I think that we all know that we're supposed to be in the driver's seat of the car. But if we're honest, how many of us feel like the car is driving over us sometimes? Because life is coming like a freight train. You know, and so sometimes we can be challenged. And so, but even in our relationship and our, and our understanding and our growth and our knowledge of who God is, how many of you realize that we can complicate really knowing God as well? Why? Because we make it about everything that it's not. We put all of our confidence, all of our, uh, you know, we get busy doing things for God. But then we forget about the relationship with God. Like I'm doing all these things, I'm making all these things happen and and we've got all these things that are going on. And so, you know, and we've talked about this over the last number of weeks is that many times we can just be busy at being busy. You know, sometimes we don't know how to call a timeout and just go sit. This is something the Lord's teaching me. Right now, this isn't something I perfected. This is like, it's just to stop. Just stop for a few minutes and listen. Pay attention to my kids, those types of things. Pay attention to my, just be together as a family. Well, that's not, that's a, that's a new thing for me. Why? Because I want to get stuff done, right? And unfortunately, the human condition and really the American condition is just that. We go, we go, we go, we go. And if you got an extra five minutes, I can squeeze in that stop at the store. And so now it's created a domino effect that we're stressed at work. We come right out of work. We're stressed because we're in traffic and all these things. And we get home and then we're yelling at the kids and we wonder why. It's because we've left no room, no margin. You know, like a piece of paper has margin. You know, so you've got a little extra space to write in if you need it. The problem is we write from left edge to right edge top to bottom and then we wonder like why do i feel stressed out because there's no margin there's no room there's no room for anything else to happen if if anything changes our plan our whole day is shot and all of these things and you know and, and that same mentality will come into our relationship with god as well and yet one of our core values is simplicity that that serving god should not be complicated but yet so easily it becomes complicated And so this morning, we want to look at a a few scriptures. If you have your Bibles or you can turn there, click there, however you choose to engage with the Bible this morning. They'll also be up on the screen. But in Philippians chapter 3, I want to look at the Apostle Paul. 
and some really some wisdom that he shares with us. Let's see if I can get my iPad to communicate. Well, I'll work it this way. There's other ways to do it. So in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, the Apostle Paul starts and he says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, whatever happens, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. In other words, have a heart of thanksgiving. Always be thankful for what God is doing regardless of whatever happens. Rejoice in the Lord. And he says, I never get tired of telling you these things. And this is a key phrase. He says, I do it to safeguard your faith. I'm telling you what? To remain thankful, remain grateful. Why? Because I'm trying to help you protect your faith. Why? Because the enemy would love to come in and to tear down the faith that we hold to. This this belief that we have in God. And so he continues in verse 2 and he says, Watch out for these dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say that you must be circumcised to be saved. Now, we don't quite understand that culturally, but we'll get there in a second. (laughs) But there were people who were teaching this. And Paul goes in verse 3 and he says, For we we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. In other words, they were making a big deal about the external. And Paul said, it's not about the external. It's really about the internal that matters. It's about the heart. And he says, so those who worship by the spirit of God are those are the ones who are truly circumcised. He says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. How many of you realize that anytime we put confidence in ourselves, we're already in trouble? We rely, we put our confidence, we put all of our hope, all of our strength, everything about this life that we live today, we put our hope and our our, our confidence in Christ. He goes on, he says, we put no confidence in human effort. But how many times do we put so much confidence in our human effort? Even living a Christian life, living in a way that we believe would honor the Lord. Like, well, I'm going to go read my Bible because I'm supposed to today. Because I have to, because I need to check that off my list. Versus really saying, God, what are you saying to me right now? In this moment. Like, God, I don't, you know, I love the story of Moses where God says, hey, you can go to the promised land if you want, but I'm not going to go with you. I love Moses' response. It says, if you're not going, I'm not going. And so many times to, to put a value, even more than just, you know, reading, just your reading plan or whatever you may do, your devotional life, but to really stop and say, God, what are you saying to me? Because I need to hear from you today. In this moment, I need to receive from you. That it's not just about, well, I read my chapter, my two chapters, I read my chapter in this book or that book or whatever. It's not about that. It's about a connection between us and God, our heart connecting with his heart. That's at the end of the day, that's what this whole life is about. It's about really connecting with God in a very personal way. Paul goes on in verse 4 here and he says, so he says, I put no confidence in human effort. He says, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. He said, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Now let me, he goes on in the next few verses and begins to explain what he means by this, but it doesn't mean a whole lot to us. Let me just paraphrase it in a way we can understand. Paul was in the best schools on the planet. 
He had the best teachers, the best professors, and he was the valedictorian of every class he ever sat in. I did a, a research into the life of Paul, and that was my conclusion. He was the best of the best of the best of the Pharisee life, if you will. There was no one who had a better pedigree than him. He was the man. From a scholastic educational standpoint, no one had better teachers than him. No one had better grades than him. He was the best. And yet he is the same guy who says, I put no confidence in my human effort. Not that study is bad. I mean, I would hope that you would have an expectation that I actually have studied before I showed up this morning. Like, well, let me just throw some scriptures out there and see what happens. No, the Bible says that I should, what, study to show myself approved, a workman who should not be ashamed. In other words, I need to prepare. There's nothing wrong with study, but what's more important than study is hearing from God. So, like in my life, I'll give you an example. I would rather spend more time in prayer preparing my heart than I would in studying Scripture. Not that I don't study Scripture, don't get me wrong. I do, but my heart matters more than my brain. Your heart matters more than your brain, especially in your relationship with God. Now here in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 3, Paul continues this thought and he says, I once thought all these things were so valuable, but now I consider them as worthless because of what Christ has done for me. He didn't say they were worthless. He just said, I count them as worthless. Why? Because I understand what Christ has done for me. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when... is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may gain Christ. That I may gain Christ. He says and become, in verse 9, and become one with him. This is an important phrase that we're about to read. He says, I no longer count on my own righteousness. Let me say it another way. Another way, He's saying, I'm not confident in my performance. Because we can reduce this life with God to that. It's a performance. I come to church. We smile. You know, I like to, I'm just kind of a real person. Because I grew up with a, a church-going family. But my parents would be screaming in the car on the way to church. I know none of you have any idea what I'm talking about. But we would all do this. Get out the car, shut the door, and smile and be pleasant. My parents are wonderful, godly people, but we're real. But see, we can make church. Well, I know at this certain worship song, we're going to hit that. And when that part comes on, that's when I raise my hand. And that's when I close my eyes. And and it becomes a performance versus worship. We're not called to perform. We're not actors on a stage. We are called to worship with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all that we are. It's the simplicity of the gospel that makes it complicated. Because it's so simple and we think, it can't be that simple. There's got to be more. There's something I don't know. There's details that, that I just don't understand yet. Maybe one day when I grow, I'll understand. Some people have outgrown their relationship with God. They know more. But they don't experience anymore. So their knowledge has actually outpaced their experience. So knowledge alone does not automatically mean that, hey, I get to experience more of God. 
That's why Paul says all of these things, although they're good, although they're needed, yes, they're valuable, but they're not most valuable. He says, I no longer count on my own righteousness, my own ability to be who God wants me to be through obeying the law. That's performance. And Paul was an expert on this topic. Why? Because he was the one that everybody pointed to and says, be like Paul, which at the time was Saul. But that's why God changed his name because everybody, there was an identity that came with that name that God said, no, I need people to identify with something new, not your pedigree. He goes on, he says that I have become righteous through faith in Christ, not of works. It's righteousness that we only get in Christ. It says for God's way of making us right uh, depends on faith or on trust in him. Verse 10 says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And he says, I want to suffer with him sharing even in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul is giving us an understanding here, this heart understanding that says, I want to not just talk about Jesus. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want to to really fellowship and have this connection with him where it's not just telling somebody else's story. See, we, we can make this Christian life that. Where we just repeat other people's experience. Other people's story. We just keep saying, well, one time I heard a story about somebody. Yeah, but what about your story? Because your story matters. Your connection with God matters. And so we don't want to just allow somebody else's experience to be like, man, that was amazing. And one day, maybe I'll get to have that too. No, Paul says, no. He he says it this way. In verse 10 there, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I don't want to just know that Jesus was raised from the dead. I want to experience that resurrection as well. I want to know him intimately, personally. I love the language that Paul uses because it's, it's very, you can t- there's a connection. And that matters. That's available to every one of us. Right now, today, it's available. There's a relationship with God to be had. Paul tells us, he says, look, don't put your confidence in what you do. Never put confidence in what you do. Put your confidence in who Christ is and what he has done for you. That's why when the devil comes and begins to whisper lies, well, you know, you said, you did, like all the reasons why you should be disqualified. Well, that's good, devil. It ain't about me anyways. Because Christ hung on a cross for me. That that, that blood still speaks of better things for me. So I'm not confident in myself. Therefore, if I'm not confident in myself, guess what? The devil can't disqualify me. Why? Because I don't matter anyways. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done. It's all about what he offers us as believers. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, there's a couple of verses That I want to share with you. And this is the Apostle Paul writing again. But he says in verse 24, 1 Corinthians 9. He says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? Everybody goes. When they fire the gun or the light turns green or however they do. Whenever they, what, nobody just stands in the block going, man, it'd be fun to have a race. You came to run. Like, you're going to run. So everybody in a race runs. But only one person Gets the prize. See, Paul was a a competitive person. 
which is why I like Paul, because he says, so run to win. My parents used to tell me, you need to learn to lose. And I was like, I, it, that just doesn't compute. There's no fun in losing. There's a lot of fun in winning. I like winning. Right? So Paul says here what? He says, so run to win. Run to win. He's not talking about, and he goes on here in verse 25. He says, all athletes are disciplined. Don't you, don't, you just want me to keep repeating that word, don't you? Disciplined. All athletes are disciplined. Anybody love discipline in here? Not one hand went up. Shocker. Shocker. Nobody likes discipline. But discipline produces something, though. He says all athletes are disciplined in their training. He says they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Verse 26. Paul is encouraging us and he says, So I run with purpose in every step. Pastor John touched on this last week, is that when you know what your purpose is, right? What? It it, it keeps things clear. It keeps the path clear. Why? Because purpose matters. And Paul here says that I run with purpose in every step. In other words, I'm not just running to no point. I'm not just taking a, a random jog. No, I have a finish line that I'm moving towards. He says, I run with purpose in every step. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing, which if you don't know what that is, it's be like if I stood up here and started swinging. What? I'm, I'm punching at something that's not there. So it's I'm not going to knock anybody out swinging at midair. So he's saying, look, I'm not just doing something pointless. Verse 27, he says, I discipline my body. I discipline my body. That's tough for all of us. No one's exempt from this. Paul says, I discipline my body. Like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Now see here, here's a little side note. It requires discipline for what? For us to do what we should, not what we want. That's why we need discipline. Because if we just live life based off of what? what, what our want to's, guess what? We're never going to get where we want to end up. Because our want to's are all over the place. They're fleeting. They're, they're all changing all the time. But yet Paul here says that that I discipline my step. I have purpose in every step. I'm paying attention to what I'm doing. He says, I discipline my body, training it to do what it it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others that I myself might be disqualified. Now, some of you may say, well, I'm never going to preach. That doesn't apply to me. What about telling people about Jesus? What about people around your workplace? What about that neighbor that you keep... Sowing seeds to. They're watching. Well, I, I don't want to disqualify myself because I simply wasn't paying attention. That's not my desire. And so one of the, my first point, if you will, this morning is this, is to live a simple life. It'll require some discipline. Why? Because everything's vying for our attention. You know, I don't remember the exact number now or percentage, but you know, we hear all kinds of things. Tons and tons of information is constantly. We're bombarded through our eyes, through our ears. And your brain in just milliseconds filters like 95% of information is useless. So that's not pertinent. You're like, I don't know if I believe that. Okay, when you, when you last bought a car, 
How much did you start seeing that car everywhere? You thought nobody had that car in that color and then you got it. And then all of a sudden you see it everywhere, right? That's your brain saying, now I need to register that as important. I just proved my point. Before you bought it, it wasn't important to your brain. The moment you made an investment, your brain says, I need to pay attention to that. And all of a sudden you see it everywhere. I mean, our brain filters an amazing amount of information. Just as useless. Just no, no, no. Unessential, unessential, unessential. And then every now and then, and it filters it at crazy speeds. And yet it requires discipline to what? To live a simple life. Why? Because we have to be able to filter that unessential stuff. That's just noise. That's just distraction. That's really not important. So I've got to keep those things at bay. And not just in our physical life. But also in our spiritual life. How much emotional energy am I giving to this drama? Why? Because that emotional energy actually robs you from your spiritual life to invest those emotions into your spiritual growth. But because you're handling with some drama over here, your emotional energy is zapped so that you don't have time to go actually read the word and say, all right, God, what are you saying to me? You're just like, I just need to sit down on the couch. My brain is on overload. Because we're dealing with stuff. So we need to what become very good at filtering things that are not important. If it's not helping you, it's hurting you. It's, it's, this is not hard to do. Just, is this conversation helping me or hurting me? Because if it's hurting me, then it's really unessential. I, I don't need to invest into this. So, you know, there, there's... Social media, there's all these things that we do mindlessly, but yet they take mental ability. They do. You're like, I'm just kind of vegging out on my phone. It's taking something from you. It is. I mean, you know, we all have those days where it's like, well, I'm just going to kind of hang out like it's football season. I'm a dude. I like watching football. I'm like, I'm just going to relax and rest today. But it's amazing I don't get much rest sitting on the couch watching football. <laughs> Why? Because guess what? My emotions are involved. My adrenaline kicks in. I'm invested. I mean, I'm watching the World Series right now. I'm not rooting for either team. I grew up playing baseball, though, and I like to watch. I don't really watch much, but I watch the World Series. Some anyways. I'm watching the game last night. My heart. Why? Because there's a tense moment during the game. Well, guess what? That's actually taking something from me. Something that simple. It's taking something from me. Whether that's time for my family, whether that's the emotional energy that I have or that focus that I need, and it requires discipline. We don't like that. See, we're going to have to fight to keep our lives simple. Whether it be our hearts, our minds, our spirits, we've got to keep them free of clutter. I mean, I'm kind of a neat freak. I don't, I don't like stuff like out everywhere. I like stuff. I just don't like it out everywhere. It needs to be in its place. It needs to be, it's got, you know, it's got its home. It needs to be there. And, uh, you know, but even in my own heart though, I need to make sure that it's not cluttered, that things aren't busy around in my heart. You know, last week, Pastor John talked about choices and how choices are so important. But you know what? It takes discipline to actually stick with our choices. You know, you make a decision, you're going to, you know, and I'll use a natural example. 
that you're going to, you know, not eat sweets. And that's all well and good until you get to the ice cream aisle, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, Bluebell, hello. I just walked by and I heard angels start singing. By the way, if you don't know, Bluebell is the only ice cream. I'm just going to tell you. It is the only ice cream that matters. You can have all your frou-frou, fancy little whatever. Bluebell is the real deal. And, uh, but, but, you, but life is about choices. And even so in our spiritual life, even so in our connection, our relationship with God. You know, Pastor John shared last week, the choices that we make today determine who and what we become in the future. That's not just natural. That also applies to our spiritual life. See, we have to be disciplined spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Why? Because we need to protect our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it is the direction, the course of your life. If you want to see where you're headed, take inventory of your heart and it'll tell you. Like, well, how do I do that? That's a great question. Only the Holy Spirit can help you to do that truthfully. But it, it matters greatly. Over, back over in Philippians chapter 3, Paul continues. So we're going back to where, the verses that we started from, but a little further down in the chapter. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul makes a statement. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved all of these things. Look, I'm not perfect. I'm not to the full extent of what God wants for me. Or he says, or that I've even reached perfection. Now, this is the guy that everybody said had it all together. He says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Verse 13 goes and he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus I discipline my mind. I, I discipline my heart. I focus on this one thing. Again, we're talking about simplicity. Paul is saying, I focus on this one thing. I'm, I, I, I'm disciplining my mind, my heart on this one thing. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to get deterred. I'm not going to get derailed. I focus on this one thing. Such a powerful principle. He says, forgetting the past... And looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward. Forgetting the past and looking forward. Now that word forgetting doesn't mean that we just never think about it. It doesn't mean that we're just like, oh, it's never going to be in my brain again. It actually means that we no longer care for it. It's not that it was, I mean, good or bad. You know, sometimes a good past can be as big of a hindrance as a bad past. Sometimes we think about our past being like a hurdle for us, but like, well, the good old days. You know, like, again, I'm a sports guy, so I'm, I'll make some references. You go to a Friday night football game and you got all these guys standing around the, the fence, right? Well, back in my day, that wouldn't have happened. Right? Well, well, we were state champs in my day. Well, praise the Lord. Congratulations. Don't look like you picked up a football lately, though. <laughs> Just saying. I doubt you could win state now. <laughs> right? And so sometimes our, our good past can actually be a bigger hurdle than even our bad past. So we need to live today. Not back then. We have to what forget the past and so we can move 
forward, look forward to what lies ahead. He's, he goes on in verse 14. He says, I press, I push on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ is calling us. See, life has a way of clinging to us. Baggage. We get weighed down. Life just has a way of just sticking around. Good, bad, doesn't matter. There's all these things that come. But if we're not careful, we can just keep looking back, keep looking back, keep looking back. And yet Paul says, look, if you want to live simple, here's what you got to do. You got to forget the past. You got to move on. You got to start moving forward into what God has for you. Now, I realize in a room like this, there are people that don't have a good past and you have some negative experiences in life. Like, well, how do I forget the past? How do I move beyond it? Because I still feel the pain and the pain is very real. Here's how. You have to get healed. There is no other answer. I hope you hear me. There is no other answer. For pain and for hurt, you have to be healed to move forward. You know, the old verbiage, ah, well, time heals all wounds. Said a person who had never been hurt. Healing has to come for you to move forward. I've got good news. Jesus is the healer. The healer. But to move beyond your past, it's got to get healed. It's got to get resolved. And then we have to learn, because you have to learn. All of us have to learn this. We have to learn to let yesterday go. It's yesterday. I have the memory. I can enjoy it. But I, but I don't live there any longer. I've got to move forward. You've got to move forward. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. This is right after Hebrews 11, which we would consider the hall of faith. So basically it's the who's who that God's bragging on throughout Scripture in, in chapter 11, verse 12. Paul, or well, I believe it's Paul. Some people debate who wrote Hebrews. I believe it was Paul, but that's neither here nor there. But in verse 1 it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great, uh, huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that would slow us down, and especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So many times we, when we think about those things that hinder us, our minds immediately default to, well, i got to get my junk together. I got areas of my life that, you know, probably aren't what they should have be or whatever the case may be. But, but it, there is another category here that is listed, which is weights. They're not necessarily sin. They just hinder you. Actually, that word weights means this. It's a burden, a hindrance. And this is the one I thought was really interesting. It says that it actually, it's a bending over by force. In other words, so much weight that you actually begin to cower underneath it. But how many of us live life like this? Just bent over. We're just shuffling around, just trying to make it to tomorrow. Why? Because we're way down. Christ did not come for us to live hunched over. Being pressed, being pushed down by this weight. And those things can be lots of things. I mean, that could be unforgiveness. It could be offense. It could be a hurt. It could be any number of things. It could be a failure of some sort. Maybe you started a business and it failed. And ever since you're like, well, I just, I guess I missed the God. I guess I missed God. Well, maybe not. But yet that can just, oh man, I, I would never take a big step of faith like that. Why? So God has some things for us. 
So here's my second point, and it's really a question for you this morning. Is have you considered your spiritual fitness? Fitness. Now, we know what that word fitness means. Yeah, I got to go to the gym. I got to do these things. But no, spiritually, your heart, how fit is it? Are there things, is, is there bitterness, is there unforgiveness, are there, are, is there undertones in your heart that are actually keeping you from being able to live simply before the Lord? Because all of those things will rob. You know, I recently went and sat down with a doctor here a few months ago. I'd gotten some blood results back and there were some levels that were off, which I didn't know anything about all that. So, uh, you know, I'm like, I'll go see a doctor. I'll go. And then my wife being a good wife, which, you know, ladies, just so y'all know, I'm normal. My wife says, David, you're going to go to the doctor next week. I don't care when, but you're going to go. So your husband's not the only one, ladies. We're men. It's just the way we're wired. We just don't like to go. But I went and sat down with this doctor. And so we began to talk through some of my results and this and that. And, you know, he began to reveal some things, talk to me about some adjustments that I needed to make. And quite honestly, it just would have been a lot easier to not go to the doctor. But I'm a married man. And so I want to listen to the wisdom of my wife. And uh, so I went. But if I wouldn't have gone, you know what it wouldn't have created? The motivation to do something. There's something that happens... When you're just honest, right? And you just face the facts. I mean, when it's printed out on a piece of paper and they're like, hey, here you go. And it wasn't anything major, so don't, you know, nothing like that. But there was one level that was just, in his words, were off the charts, literally. <laughs> you're like, you're supposed to be down here. And you're like, yeah, up here. He's like, you need to do something about that. But, you know, one of the things that, that through this process is I've kind of, it's one of the hardest things many times is for us to be honest with ourselves. We can be honest with everybody else, but it's when we're really honest with ourselves. This part of my life is out of balance, man. It's taking over my life, but yet, you know, I watch too much football. My wife keeps nagging me saying, all I do is watch the TV. It might be out of balance. You might need to check and see, hey, where's your spiritual fitness at? Where's your, where's your heart fitness at in that? Maybe you're on the internet all the time. Maybe you're shopping all the time. Maybe whatever it may be, there's 10 million things. Everybody's got their thing. That's what I know. So I'm not picking on anybody because if we could all pick on everybody, everybody's got something in our life. Got areas. Maybe it's I'm stressing too much. Week one, Pastor John, worry less, worship more, right? That should sound familiar. Worry less, worship more. Here's another one. I believe when we're honest, we could get to a place where we would say, I'm just existing, but I'm not really living. I'm just here. I'm in survival mode. I'm just making it till tomorrow. See, the, the conversation with this doctor didn't reveal anything to me that I didn't already know in my heart. Now, I didn't know the, the specifics. I didn't know the name to give it. I didn't know the, the details, but I knew something wasn't quite what it should be. But it did give me the confirmation and the motivation to do something about it. So how do you do this spiritually? Now, I'm going to share with you a very dangerous prayer. It actually comes out of Psalms. David prayed this prayer. It comes out of Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. This is not a prayer to pray lightly, because God will honor your prayer. So, here it goes. 
David is praying. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, put me to the test, and know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24, and this is the one where it gets dangerous. He says, point out anything in me that offends you. God, I'm just an open book. Just point it out. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, we've talked about this over the last few weeks. That God has a path and he, he wants you to walk in a straight path. It can get crooked, but yet here he says what? Lead me along the path of everlasting life. Okay, well, how do I get there? God, test me. Test my heart. Know me. Reveal to me. Point out anything in me that's not what it should be. That's a dangerous prayer. That's a very unsettling prayer. I know prayer is supposed to bring peace and it's supposed to be tranquil, but that's a very honest prayer. God, I don't want anything between me and you. If there's anything that, that's robbing me of this life that you have for me, let me do this right here. Let me walk this out. God, reveal it to me. Holy Spirit, I'm open. I'm listening. Would you speak to me? Now, the Holy Spirit can speak to you at any time, at any day. One of the things I still will never understand in my own personal life, many times when I'm in prayer and I'm spending time praying or whatever, I rarely have God speak to me in that moment. But I'll be driving the car, going to the fridge. I remember one time I was trying to pray about a, a, a message to preach. And I had been praying. I mean, like, you know, morning travail, like all these things. God, please give me something. I'd been praying, praying. I just finally got frustrated. I was like, forget it. I'm just going to the fridge. I kid you not. I opened both doors and God started talking to me. Just drop something in my heart. I'm just like... Like, you couldn't have done this upstairs. Like, I've been there. I thought you were there. I had the lights right. The music was right. All of these things were perfect. And you want to talk to me at the fridge. Why? God will talk to you anytime he wants to. I just want to make sure that I'm investing on the front side so that I'm ready to hear. That's why I pray. That's why I spend time with the Lord. Why? So that when he hears or when he speaks, my ears are ready to hear. And I can recognize that wasn't just a random thought. That was the Holy Spirit speaking. The second part of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. He says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. He said, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. How do we run our race? By keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. See, this whole life that we live, if we're going to do it successfully, it's going to require that. We run our race with endurance. What? It's going to require some discipline. It is. We're going to have to check up on our heart every now and then, on our spiritual heart, not our physical one. God, where am I at in my relationship with you? Have I allowed things to become dull? Have I allowed it to just become routine? Have I allowed it to become a rut? This is just what I do. Have I allowed it to just become nothing more than a performance? I come to church, I act like I worship, I play the part, I shake the hands, I, I hug a few people, I say hello, good to see you, but the rest of the week, me and God don't talk. That's a performance. We were built for relationship. God built us for relationship. That was the whole purpose. 
You boil it all down. That was the reason. It was for him to know us and us to know him. That's it. It's that simple. But we have to engage. We have to, what, get rid of the distractions, get rid of the clutter, get those things out of the way so that we can hear from the Lord. And when we do that, here's what I can tell you. The Bible says those who seek me will find me. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you'll seek me, you'll find me. It's God's promise to us. Would you bow your heads this morning?